Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. They're a benefit, it's not my problem. We don't have to be mean, because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Conan, what is best in life? Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear the lamentation of their women. Groovy. Can you hammer a six-inch spike through a board with your penis? Not right now. The girl's got to have her standards. It gives her a sense of control in a world full of chaos. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in the philosophy of a ruling class, especially since I rule. You have offended my family, and you have offended the Shaolin Temple. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Cult of Classics, where you get to tell that fat, pustulant postule <laughs> that pisses all over the floor that he doesn't know Blade Runner as well as you do. Not only a, a postule, but a, a pustulant postule. A pustulant postule. Who the fuck are you? I'm an alliteration motherfucker, that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name, though? Oh, I'm Tarver. <laughs> I'm Tarver Peterson. And I'm Leo Kelly, and we are your monthly hosts. Um... This week we're going to be talking about um, something a little bit different than what we have historically in the four-episode history of... Leave me my name! <laughs> of, uh, ooh, that'd be a good one for Cold of Classics. Um, oh, The Crucible? Fuck yeah. Uh, departure from what we have usually done, which is uh, an older movie that actually falls right into the cult classic genre. Today we're going to be talking about Turbo Kid from 2015. Um, and this is a, it's a Canadian feature. Yeah. It, so I relate to it on a spiritual level. And it's a joint production between Canada and New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing about Turbo Kid is that it is a pastiche. So... Um, hey, what's a pastiche? A pastiche. I'm glad you asked. Um, in addition to being a delicious sweet that is popular in uh, in Portugal, <laughs> a pastiche is also um, it's a, a work of art and in this case a film that is imitating the style or the the character of uh, the work of like either a genre or another just work specifically. But, but 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 aren't you talking about satire? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, I'm not because unlike Also, didn't your wife leave you for another man, Mr. Mr. Kelly? No. Why do you ask? I th- <laughs> I was treating you like my homeroom teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. You, you got really scared for a minute. You were like, like, do you know something I don't know? <laughs> I was like, Mr. Kelly, Mr. Kelly, why are your pants so tight? Oh, um, so that you know that I keep them from thang on me. <laughs> Recognize. So what's the difference between um, <laughs> so satire past- and a pastiche? So satire is, um, its its goal is to mock and to make fun of, um, and it uses the same kind of, it, it, it mimics the tropes and the the major characteristics of works to make fun of them. Uh, but a pastiche is made to celebrate. Uh, pastiche is made to honor and pay homage to uh, a specific work or a, a general body of work. In Turbo Kid, it's more of a general body of work, like the kind of 80s um, canon films, super dystopian sci-fi and fantasy movies. And that also distinguishes it from parody as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely, because... It doesn't aim to mock. That's the biggest difference. The biggest distinction is that this is just 
in honor of. Yeah. It's it's a motherfucking celebration. Yeah. Um, if you Google search pastiche, I think Quentin Tarantino pops up first because his films are all just mashups of westerns and yeah. kung fu films and shit like that. Yeah. So this is not this is not uh, like waiting for Guffman or like something that's supposed to just like satirize documentaries and tell comic yeah. stories. This is like this is a just a tribute to these older sort of bad eighties <laughs> um, yeah, sci fi movies. And this is definitely it's it's taking heavily from the films I love with all my heart. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, whatever. <laughs> what is you know, things that things that have bad elements to them. I'm not saying they're bad necessarily. That's why you ain't shit, Mr. Um but this is really taking heavily from uh, Mad Max. It's taking heavily from Karate uh, Kid. Karate Kid from uh, BMX Bandits, <laughs> <laughs> which I showed Tarver the trailer for. If you have a minute, just look it up on IMDb and check out the trailer. It is uh, it's amazing how like one hundred percent they rip the character design from these BMX kids yeah. for, for the kid in this movie. Um, and the movie Rad. And the movie Rad. Yeah, for sure, Rad. And, I mean, uh, just a, a bunch of other shit. But, um, like, just... Like Saturday morning cartoons yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, see, see uh, everything from Canon Films. They even kind of mock the Canon Films logo on the intro for this. The, the, but what I love about this is that they committed fully, like, even coming in... Well, they didn't mock it. They didn't mock it. Sorry. I had to stop you there. Yeah, they didn't... No, no, no. They they, they committed fully to the, the illusion that this is uh, an 80s sci-fi movie yeah and to make something like this like i think to make a pastiche you have to fucking love this shit yeah you have to know it inside and out yeah to make it well yeah and you can say sort of the same thing about satire from a lot of times like that comes from a place of love a lot of the time but um to start out with this one it's just this movie is just a basket of easter eggs (laughs) yeah that's what it is they went hunting they they put on their pastel shirt yeah (laughs) they went to church and then they went and found like Five million Easter eggs. And I can go ahead and do the um, the analytics. You don't need Google or Facebook for this. If you like the book, Ready Player One, you're going to like Turbo Kid. Yeah, that's because the plot is just like, don't you remember this? Yeah, don't you remember this? <laughs> you remember this? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you remember? But, um, yeah, so to get into it, we're Easter egging it up the whole movie. Um, and every over the top, this movie is is hallmarked by two things it's the kind of childlike traits of the characters um and and the the it, we combine that and this the nostalgia factor with extreme over-the-top gore oh yeah it's like <laughs> it's crazy and i think that they just they knew that they were aiming for an intersection of like late gen xers and early millennials like people who were born early enough to be aware of 80s movies when they yeah. were coming out um and to really love them, and they, like people who had seen movies in the '80s and loved them, and like had heavy childhood nostalgia wrapped wrapped up in them, they're like, "This is for you." Yeah, yeah and yeah, we yeah. know that it's going to just be for you for the most part. So we're going to make it R-rated by adding in like intense gore and a little bit of language. Did it feel a little Evil Dead esque to you? The, the, oh, for the, sure. the way the blood just like would just. Just fountains of blood. Oh, yeah. I mean, fountains of blood and, like, insane practical gore effects. Right. Like, even kind of like the thingy with um, how, like, the, the one scene with the bike, where they had the bike hooked up to the, to oh, the boys' yeah, yeah, intestines. Yeah, 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 I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't like that scene. <laughs> it was tough. Um, but it, this is, so it's essentially a kid's movie for adults. Um, but to jump into the plot, we got Act 1. We got that, the kind of, the 
wink e, but like just very clever, cheesy opening graphics that even it looks like the Canon Films logo. I love those graphics. It was dope. We get this the synth soundtrack just starts off immediately. The soundtrack is one of the best things about this movie. Fuck yeah, it's dope. That it, actually is what ties it in for me. I, I because the the people ride around on bicycles instead of on like the Mad Max motor vehicles that you'd expect. Yeah, which is like another weird infantilization. Uh, like, because this whole movie is very childlike. It is. So it's like, it's kind of aiming to be, it's like if you took the kids that were playing in their backyard when Mad Max came out yeah. and like just lifted them up and deposited them with all the same tools into a nuclear holocaust situation, yeah. like that's where they, that's what, what the characters in this movie are. And I feel like those filmmakers are those kids and they made this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we get that cheesy VO to, to start, which like, this is the future. This is 1997. 1997. Yeah, the movie came out in 2015. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we meet the kid, and he's your 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 typical scrappy scavenger. Very, like, like uh, the most recent iteration you've seen of this is probably in Force Awakens with, like, Rey when she starts off right. on Jakku. Um, but he's just, like, all he does is forage for little neat knickknacks and stuff and goes and trades those in for water. But the, we see, we establish his character further by him trading in the his water for a dope comic. Yeah. Turbo Man. And don't forget, I have to make mention of this, because they do a really clever bit of uh, diegetic um, sound, where you, you hear this opening soundtrack, which apparently is the opening song in the movie Rad, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, the it, it's playing, and you're like, where's the source of this? It's not in this world. And then he puts on the he- the Walkman, yeah. and boom, it starts playing there, too. So... Uh, I th- I like that. It's a little break from the usual way. I they... like that they just had a touch of it, like yeah, because it was already playing, and then we get a little break of it. We're like, okay, he's hearing this too, and then immediately yeah. it goes back to like surround sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his and his whole fort, like he's basically living in a kid's fort, where but he's in an actual like fortified bunker. He's got all of his knickknacks. He's got his viewfinder. He's got his poster. He's eating like like hubba bubble bubble gum. Dude, old hubba bubba. Yeah. <laughs> really it's old. like decades old hubba bubba. And I love how point. they made use of it. That this was like a really the opening montage kind of or the opening scene of him in in his lair. Yeah. I really love how they use the gum to help put the poster up. Like yeah. the, I I like how it kind of tied it all together. It was it was a really great example of having this scene have its own story arc. Like we, just a little shit that they did. It had its own little story arc. Yeah. And we see that he's it establishes him as a character too because it's like, you know, he's young. He's a kid. He's about, he can't be older than like 18. And he's living alone in the wasteland. He's got to be pretty smart and resourceful. So, I mean, everything, even his chewing gum has a purpose. In fact, that might be the most clever thing in this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds shitty, but I, I, I think that, that, that seeing, seeing the chewing gum and be like, what's he going to And he just eats the hard chewing gum. We forget about it. And then he uses it to put the poster up. Yeah. And you got to think, after years, like getting a little bit, like getting that chewing gum wet for her the first time in like decades and then putting it on like a cement wall, it just turns it into concrete. Yeah, like absolutely. That poster is never going anywhere. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, so the kid is, is definitely, I mean, he's the That's audience. just his name too. Yeah, he's kid. just called the kid. Or Turbo Kid, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. He's just a kid. He's a kid. You know, he's 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 getting it. He's doing his best in this. He doesn't have a whole lot to work with in <laughs> terms of He's not a script. bad actor. I thought the, the, the guy, the, the kid was fine. Yeah, I thought everybody in this movie is actually a, like a decent, all the main cast yeah, are, are, yeah. are pretty good. Um but yeah, so he's the audience, you know, he's a personification of nostalgia. He's got the, like, 
E.T. slash, you know, Stranger Things slash BMX Bandit's bike. He's got his old... Slash Karate Kid. Slash Karate Kid slash every fucking movie from the 80s <laughs> that has somebody <laughs> under 15 in it. Um, yeah, so we get, we get... That's the kid. We get his setup. And then we meet Frederick the arm wrestler. And yeah. we see that, like, grown-up life <laughs> in the wasteland is pretty fucking hardcore. Yeah, and like, ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. Like, this is this is where we get into... This, this is kind of where we start to make the distinction between parody and pastiche, too, because when we see Frederick for the first time, it is over the top. It is like yeah. a little wink at the camera, but it's taking itself very seriously. We're like, no, he is a badass. Like, when he has yeah. the scene where he does, he just walks into this, like, frontier wasteland bar and gets into an arm wrestling match with somebody else. We realize, like, oh, whoever loses is going to have a scar forever on their hand. Yeah. And we don't we don't get a lot of, re- like, exposition or, or... We get, we do, they do a clever thing where they show uh, the guard at the, at the gate who is just unnecessarily aggressive in his little yeah. hockey, like, hockey goalie mask. Yeah. Um, we see his hand, and it's got this... Uh, emblem on it this uh brand yeah and then that cuts to the burning brand that's positioned on either side if like your hand gets pushed down you get branded so we we understand that that is that this guy has branded a lot of fucking people yeah and assuming like he's never been branded before well we don't have to assume but like we assume that this is a a ongoing thing that's been going on for quite some time and it would have been way doper if they didn't have the the junk salesman say like Still undefeated, huh? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, it, I guess. There's some, it, it is hard to criticize a film that is very consciously being cheesy for being cheesy. That's what I was... Okay, so I have a lot... A lot of <laughs> You're like, on that's that. my motherfucking thing. That's my thing. point, yeah. But, um... So, so, but this starts off... This is, like, our first instance of real ultraviolence. And, um... There, there are dire consequences in the wasteland, but... And, I mean, even for the smallest things, like losing an arm wrestling match, but everybody just kind of, like grits their teeth and laughs it off. Right. Everybody's, it's kind of just a big joke to everybody. You have to assume that living in, like, the land after a nuclear holocaust has occurred, there's some tough some bitches out there. Like, yeah. maybe only tough some bitches. But it's just, it's strange to see this kind of, like, goofy version of it where everybody's yeah. like, ha oh, he got decapitated. Um, but then, after we meet Frederick, and we establish him because he will definitely be coming back later, we meet Apple, who is the Manic Pixie Dream Android. She is the Manic Pixie Dream Android. <laughs> and, and the thing that I was... What I was thinking right before... The Star Moon Child. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, but, I mean, her clothing was fucking, like, base as fuck, Zeph as fuck. Like, yeah, <laughs> as fuck. Just, like, dope. She looks awesome. Yeah. Um, but if you had watched A Boy and His Dog right before this, you would have yeah. been like, oh, no. She's in some trouble. <laughs> but that's it's just not that kind of movie. It is not like, a boy and his dog. This is every this movie is it's it's got this very and I think th- that's another thing that you can point to when you when you call this a pastiche rather than a parody is it may not be able to take itself that seriously because of the source material that it's right. honoring, but it's it's very intentional and it's very like Earnest. It, it's earnest, but it's it's beca- it's the childlike, like wonder and nostalgia that everybody seems to have, and that you get the feeling of when you're watching this that makes you believe that they really are treating it, the, treating the source material with respect, yeah, and like like taking it seriously. Yeah, like they don't make a joke out of the cowboy. Like the cowboy is, um, he is over the top and ridiculous, and he does you know face mortality. He has shown that he's not just this epic. Un- unstoppable hero yeah. that he con- that he embodies, 
um, but he is he he he's never made a joke. Yeah, like he's never made a complete buffoon. Yeah, like he is a badass. He is he is definitely he's like he a is a actual badass. factual headbuster. Because like a parody, they would set him up as a badass, and then you would see it coming that he would fall on his face. Yeah, and un- get undercut, I mean, get undercut over and over again, but, and just keep looking like an idiot. But in the world of Turbo Kid, he's just like, no, what's up? I'm like your papa. This is how it goes around <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, yes, I might look a little silly to you riding on this bicycle, yeah. but I will grab out your lower jaw and then stick it through your eyes. That was another weird thing that I had encountered because they, they commit super hard to the just bicycles thing. Oh, yeah. They're da- they're, they they like, don't fuck with the- I don't know if they had a budget for cars. Yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. But, they, I mean, and, or if they did, they just put it towards other things like practical effects or, or yeah. like, like shooting on location. But – they they don't commit to they don't they commit super hard to the just bicycles things but they don't commit um, to having a world without guns but like they well, almost there's only, do there's only one gun. there's one gun though yeah and I thought it was really strange of them to to take that but it, I guess it just it serves to like show the significance of guns in this world they probably were all used and whatever and th- there's no exposition there's no like clarity given as to why Zeus at the end has a gun yeah but it does make him j- almost as powerful as Turbo Kid who has a fucking power glove that can explode people which is incredible but <laughs> yeah I want to talk about the bicycles really quick because in terms of uh, the first time I saw this film the bicycles and their commitment to the bicycles uh, was one of my favorite things yeah. Because at the beginning, it almost feels silly, but then the way they shoot it and the way everybody is, is riding on these things so seriously, it stops being silly at some point. Like, yeah. you stop feeling that it's silly. The second time I watched it, I, I did feel it was a... It, it lost a little bit of the of the wonder that I had in the first the first time. Yeah, because I, I I watched this movie for the first time probably a couple years ago. I think you recommended it to yeah. me. And I was I was, like, really... And like just charmed by it, yeah. And I thought it was really good. And then watching it again with a more critical, <laughs> critical eye, I had to come to grips with the fact that I am a sucker for nostalgia, yeah, in a big way. And that it it also kind of let me in on the the secret that if you don't execute, you know, making a good movie, if you don't achieve making like a really good movie by its own merits, then adding all the nostalgia stuff. Is only really good for one time around. Right. It'll, it'll sell it, though. Yeah, it will. It will sell that motherfucker. It will. Um, but, yeah, so we, we, we get to know Apple. Um, you know, he ditches her immediately because he's, you know, rightfully wary of anybody, especially, yeah. like, a very pretty young woman who just happens to come up to you. And, like, hey, do you want to be friends? I don't really have a whole lot of social skills. What's going on? Here's this thing I slap on your wrist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, she comes back into his life, and we realize, like, okay, maybe you're not evil. Um and he, I didn't trust her at first. Either. I didn't either. I didn't trust her until like, oh, well into the movie the first time I watched yeah. it. Um, but yeah, he the kid shows her the rules of the road. She loves rules because, as we'll find out later in the movie, she is an android. And those <laughs> rules of the road are not the rules of the road that you may think. These are yeah. rules that he's invented along yeah. the way. In his notebook that he it's keeps It's not in. ass, grass, or cash. Yeah. Like, did I say grash? Grash. Ash, grass, or cash? Ash, grass, cash. Number one, ash. And a rule number two, a grass. And a rule number three is a grass. <laughs> but uh, it's like, where are you from? I don't know, somewhere in Europe. Europe. <laughs> but um, kid starts crushing super hard on Apple, as you know, everyone as is the supposed audience to. Is, yeah, yeah. We, she, she's very charming. Yeah. Um, but uh, we we get her. One of the worst movie moments in this movie is 
one of the hardest cells of the of the Easter eggs, which mm. is the when he he's one of the rules is always have a weapon. So he gives her a baseball bat and he puts a garden gnome. Oh yeah, dude. on the end of it, and she does the army of darkness like this. Is my gnome stick? Yes, yes and she does. And then, then there's a very cringy. You cringe for smack. Yeah, be, well, because right after that, they do this weird jump cut montage of just her swinging the bat around. Yeah, it was a tough. That was a tough one. I was like, okay, okay. I was like, we're really trying a little bit too hard to make her cute. Right, and I thought she had done a really good job of being cute. Yeah, I I, I would have liked her to have a bat with like spikes on it. Yeah. Or some shit like that. Well, because as we find out, I mean, like, there's something to be said if you're watching this movie with, like, a feminist point of view about how like, you could say something in this moment about how she's, like, infantilized and she's the only woman in the movie. Yeah. But it turns out that she's a real OG. Well, she's not the only woman. There's uh, the, the Mortal Kombat girl. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. She's one of, my, she was one of the, the best henchmen in the movie. In right. She never says a word. Nope. That's what probably contributes to her being so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because some of the henchmen that talk do not do a great job. God, dude. I love, I just want to go to that. I just Real quick, that opening scene where you go to Zeus's lair, and there's that one ridiculous guy that's like, I guess, cooking a human body part over the fire, and then he just kind of spits on it, and like, and I, you could see so clearly that he was gonna do something because he's just way more animated than everybody else yeah. in, the, in the background scene. I, like, I wish somebody had just turned and been like, "Hey, you need to fucking take it down a notch," because it's it, he's like the the when you watch an animated movie, you know the thing that's gonna fall or break because it's just lighter than everything else, yeah. so you can see that it's about to break yeah. that's him he's just indicating so hard that yeah. he's fucking he's like I'm about to do something I'm about to do something he was super jazzed to get a call back like he was yeah. he was like the number one dude on extra casting day <laughs> so and, and that that kind of um the, 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 that leads us into when she gets captured. That's the, yeah, the 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 rising, the actual first rising action. Because before this, it's all been a, just establishing shit. So they go out scavenging. Apple gets captured by some of we assume Zeus's dudes. Um, and yeah, we never really know. He's just like some like Raiden slash Scorpion. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's, his he has a fist with a chain on it that you get to see. He's got like the rice field hat. Yeah, yeah. Like farmer hat. That on. was the Raiden part. Yeah. And and like yeah, and the weird everybody's got like I'm a, like a mechanical arm. Yeah, and it's just some, some sort of strange like steampunk like frontier sci-fi technology cuz he's got I like it. a scanner. Yeah, I liked it too. I don't know. He did have a scanner. I thought that was really strange, but it was cool. It reminded me a little bit of um like the original of, of a new hope when yeah. when Luke is looking around with a little viewfinder. Um that's just a little tidbit about how I felt when I was I also want to say that the thing I like about the Turbo Kid is I, I, I'm I almost 100% sure that everything was made in After Effects. Yeah. Like all of the special effects in this movie. Um, and, I, and I do want to make quick mention that this movie breaks my rule of shoot everything tight in a, in a, in a small budget. But I think they had mm-hmm. more budget to work with. Than- yeah. I, I tried to find it on Box Office Mojo. And that's another thing that I was going to talk about. They They – Debuted, I think their their all time worldwide gross in theaters, which I didn't even know this made it to any theaters, was like sixty seven thousand dollars. So, Ooh. I have to assume that it was made for some streaming service. Yeah, either Amazon. It was on Netflix. For yeah, a while. okay. So I think probably Netflix footed the bill, and then I would assume that they put it into theaters for a very limited run for like awards consideration or something right. like that. Um, but yeah, it made almost no money in the box office. But, but they did a, they did a really good job. I mean. I still think a boy and his dog. If we're gonna talk about a 
post-apocalyptic future mm-hmm. landscape is set way better because they actually shot in a desert. Uh, this movie did something I thought was smart because as I was watching, I was like, okay, well, I see the trees. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, so how do you make this seem like everything's dead? Okay, shoot in Canada in the winter. I was yeah. like, all right, so everything was gray. You, They muted the color grading. They definitely muted the colors a lot. Uh, not like super significantly, but you can tell that the yellows and the reds and everything is, is dimmed down a little bit when mm-hmm. he's riding around. The gray, everything's kind of a grayish thing. And they wanted to shoot it like it looked kind of like a desert, but apparently it rained a bunch, so they just had to they had to th- make up the acid rain thing <laughs> in the in the opening vo. Like they just had to be like, and there was acid rain. That's and that, and that's why there's these green puddles. It's kind of like how that that's the reason that there were porgs in uh, Last Jedi is because they the island that they were shooting on they couldn't get rid of all the puffins that yeah. were there, <laughs> so they just turned them into fucking porgs. But um, yeah, I, I like the grayscale desert thing because it kind of gives you to like a like a nuclear ash type does, type yeah. of. Effect. I thought like it was really, road. yeah. I thought it was neat. I thought it was a, a, an interesting way to kind of not directly copy Mad Max. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So she Apple gets taken. Um, she's a real one. You know. She tells the kid to run. She we, does. Um, and he then goes and after he's chased into the the spaceship of an actual Turbo Man. Of the Turbo. <laughs> man. The Turbo, the turbo man. Rider. The Turbo Rider. He upgrades the shit out of himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he takes that motherfucker's armor, and it's dope, um, and we get some unnecessary exposition, um, you know, except to explain why With they're... this, like, French-Canadian general yeah, whose accent I is so fucking I could not get a read on it, dude. dude I was it's like, gotta be French-Canadian. I was like, Are you, is it? Because, like, French-Canadian is kind of like, when they speak English, they speak a little, like, stilted and strangely like this. I don't <laughs> know. It was, maybe he was just straight French. I don't know. It was strong, thick accent. I like, German vibes. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, really, that just serves to explain why there is this superhero that's crash landed in but the middle we really of the desert. didn't need that i didn't get it but you know because I, I just like i was like okay cool we got that magical realism like, like you know this is some sci-fi realism yeah. shit and know? then we get that whew, that power glove it's dope fucking the kid loves the power glove dude. like the, the power glove sells the movie for me yeah it's so bad like once this power glove yeah once <laughs> this power glove's on i'm like i'm in i'm in now like you like you're this is so dope yeah and he immediately shows how powerful it is by exploding old Master Raiden, dude. And, like, and a straight-up, like, samurai showdown. Yeah, that was hilarious, because he's got a little, like, zoomy weapon of some sort. He does. It's, it's like a classic kung fu movie weapon. Yeah, and he just, like, no. Kids just, like, get fucked. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's cool, because it's, like, like Mega Man kind of, like, shoots the the energy ball, which I straight up am telling you, you can make an After Effects. Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not even that fucking hard. Yeah. And, like, it just blow. But it's, like, instead of vaporizing him in colors and dust, it explodes him in guts and entrails and everything. Yeah, which is Which hilarious. they do throughout the movie. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, it, loses, it starts to lose its effect after a while, but yeah. in this instance, it's like, ha-ha! Oh, my, my God! <laughs> it's like, oh, we, we're for real now. Yeah. Because, like, I am being for real. Um... So, yeah, that wraps up, the I think, the first act of the movie. Uh, and then moving into the second act, um, this is when Kid goes to save Apple, unknowingly from Zeus, uh, who is the big bad Michael Ironside fucking... Biggest actor in the film by far. By far. I mean, he's the, he's, uh, what's his name, uh, Ratchik from uh, Starship Troopers. And then he is one of the workingest motherfuckers in Hollywood. He'd be working. He's got like 246 or 48 titles Jesus. under his belt on IMDb. Um, and, you know, he's an unstoppable exposition machine. He's like... Yeah, they, they really just... I, I felt that he, he was not directed as well as I feel like... I feel like he could have done a better job. He's capable of delivering great performances. Yeah. Like, he really is a... He's, he's a good actor. But, yeah, he... 
I don't think the script served him well enough, and I think this is where you can really see some of the failings of the directors, yeah. of which there are three. There are three. <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> and um, he, uh, yeah, he could have he done, done better with, with some better help, I think. He um, shouldn't have three directors for but a movie. He's got a dope henchman. Um, I wonder if it was filmed in French uh, also. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It could be with a Canadian thing. But, you know, he's he's doing his, he's showing out, and, you know, he's he's doing a good job. He's bring, he's giving a funny performance. Um, so then we enter the Blunderdome. The pool party. <laughs> yeah. So he's got the... The Blunderdome. We're reintroduced to... The uh, Blumpkin Dome. The Blumpkin. <laughs> the Dutch Oven Dome. <laughs> the Doug Dimmodome. Uh, Frederick is back. It is the Dimmodome. <laughs> it's owned by Doug Dimmodome. Yeah, no. Owner of the, the Dimsdale Dimmodome. All right, we got there. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Frederick is back. We, we The only thing that's really worth mentioning about when Frederick originally gets captured is that, um, one, he probably was done a service by getting captured because his posse was just a bunch a of chuckle fuck. fucks. <laughs> it had that great scene where, where his buddy, he's like, he has to go pee, and then his friend like comes and stands really close to him to pee right next to him. Yeah. And then he like pushes him away and then a saw blade cuts his cuts through his guy cuts through him. Yeah. And he's spurting blood everywhere and then he falls back in the pee stream just like <laughs> yeah, that that was a really well composed uh shot. I really like that. There were some some interesting some neat moments of action. In the composition movie. of these shots, like you always see them respect the, th- the rule of thirds. Like that's why you'll always see if you see an actor, they'll they'll never be center frame. And that's mm-hmm. that's something you see, you see in films. If an, if someone's ever center frame in a shot, it's like for it's got to be for a very particular reason. Yeah. Because the way you do it is you always compose them like a little left or a little right of frame to be able to showcase um, to be able to segment your shot into like into thirds and and showcase uh, more around what's going on. That's the I don't <laughs> think I explained that right. I'm <laughs> that try, what I'm trying to say is that composition dictates the rule of thirds, that you have your scene broken into three parts. Yeah. Basically. Um, so that you can aesthetically, it, it's the most aesthetically pleasing way of showing, uh, of framing your shots. To and the you, motherfucking eye. And yes, that's right. And that you'll, <laughs> and you see a, a masterful director like Fincher do it uh, in such, he does it so well that you can't even tell he's doing it. This guy does it. It's very it's very obvious that he he's doing it and it's correct but yeah. it's like he so so he has good composition. It's, Jesus. <laughs> In this very well composed shot. Yeah, <laughs> we we get into we get introduced to the pool. And I, I know what you're saying because there there and especially in like the action sequences in this movie there are really some some very neat shit that they do and yeah. just like some cool ideas for for kills as well it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah it's not all just like needless mindless gore it's not just like okay saw blade for you saw blade for you there's some wild shit especially at the end in like the big boss fight um that is hilarious as well but um so the kid comes in he's he's reunited with apple he makes a big show out of his new shit He's like, new shit, new shit. New shit. <laughs> Got that power glove. But and then the he's like, glove. this is how I take control of the Nintendo 64. <laughs> Wait, this is way before Nintendo 64. My bad. Like Nintendo, Super Nintendo. SNES. <laughs> what was that movie about the kid? Was it called The Wiz? Oh, yeah. The you wi- remember the kid? That, oh, that's probably what he got it from because in The Wiz, the, his like main enemy um, was the kid that had the Nintendo power glove. Yeah. So straight up. Cam loves the power glove. And that's how he cheated. Because it was fucking cheating, and he. Uh, but, but 
somehow the power glove makes it easier to use, even though you're having to essentially just use a controller one-handed. The power glove is was a garbage creation. It yeah. failed in every way, but it <laughs> looked dope as fuck. It did look dope, and the design on it was dope. It looked like a Power Rangers do- glove, like it was. It's badass, and in this movie, it's just it's that exactly, except it's red. Um, yeah, but it fails him. It fails the kid in this moment because he's trying to show off and show out, but he's low on battery. And he doesn't. He has never played video games, and he doesn't realize that he should have just shot his last shot, and then it would have been like now charging, and he would have been it would have been charged up already. He did, he's a dumbass basically because like if you would, <laughs> he never played no CS. Yeah, if he played any he video played games, no Halo. he would have been like as soon as you shoot your last bullet, it'll reload, dummy. <laughs> Fucking dumb, dumb. Be bo- be born before the nuclear holocaust. Yeah, idiot. <laughs> but, um, um, so Frederick in this moment becomes pop pop, and he's you know he's directing everybody. He gives yeah. the plan. Apple just tees off and fucking destroys a motherfucker <laughs> with with her weapon, and everybody comes together. We see that these are actually like a tough group of some bitches. Yeah, and they then explode the machine that they're using to turn human beings into water. Um, that After we, we get about a huge bit of exposition at length from Michael Ironside, yeah. I was like, "Oh my, okay, I'm, we're good. I could, I could have less of this. I could like shot at showing each piece of the machine <laughs> yeah. and the result, and then having him drink it." And I was just like, "Wow, that's great." And then another fantastic line with Frederick being like, "When it, when uh, Michael Ironside's drinking the water, he's like, ah, I hope you fucking choke on it." Frederick is also Australian. Yeah, he is. He is Australian. <laughs> Maybe New Zealand. I don't know. Somebody, someone from one of those places. He's from. Down under. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Little you said it so ominously. (laughs) Down under. He's from down under. um, (laughs) And they're like, if and if you need anybody to make a fucking post-apocalyptic film, you need them to be from down under. That's true, and it's just another like loose homage to Mad Max. Yeah. Because nobody else in the movie is Australian. Nope. <laughs> um, that's weird. I hadn't really considered that until right now. But we blow up the the thing and then the, the kid and Apple, the machine, and then the kid and Apple just mysteriously escape. <laughs> yeah, this this was funny to me because I was like, you you kind of hear the people running away scared, but yeah. Zeus is fine. Yeah, he's his right hitch- there. His henchman is fine. And then we just cut to them at the exterior of the warehouse escaping, or the factory, like, escaping. They're gone. They're moving so slowly, too, because yeah. nobody has cars, so they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're Bound by ground speed and bike speed, and just there, there aren't any like Lance Armstrong in this motherfucking movie. Yeah, nobody is moving that fast on these bikes. They did not think of a good way to get them out of that pool. No, like they really didn't think of a good way. They just kind of show them moving towards some scaffolding, and then yeah. miraculously they're out after that tiny little explosion. Like so many people are still left in, in Zeus's lair, but you know, it's it's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> they they get away, and we're happy about it, but. In that moment, uh, Apple's hurt, so we learn about her hearts, and we learn that she's got a... They straight up, this is Zelda homage. Yeah, absolutely. It's the exact same health meter from Zelda yep. that she has on her wrist. Um, we get to go back and, and talk to, uh, what's his, I think his name's like, Borag, the little water merchant guy that we've been dealing Damn, with Damn, I did beginning. not know his name. Yeah, I think he was actually a good little actor. He was all right, him. yeah. Um, he sent them to the robot cemetery. We we're like, we're going to fix Apple. And I feel like this might be a labyrinth homage because she kind of gives him her little plastic bracelet, like mm-hmm. a hoggle was given by Jennifer Connelly's character in Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Hoggle doesn't have any friends. Hoggle is Hoggle's friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so this this all just drives to the point where Skeletor, you know, they we have the torture scene with old water merchant guy. 
which is his guts are laffy taffy. Yeah, a neat little joke too. That he's like Michael Ironside is interrogating interrogating him, and he's like, "Oh well, you gave up your friend's information very easily." So he said, "But we spent all this time making this machine, so we're just gonna kill you real quick." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then Skeletor, we're we're, we're kind of reintroduced to Skeletor. He was a cool villain, I thought. Like the crazy eyes behind the goalie mask. I didn't know you were talking. Oh, okay, yeah, That's Skeletor. Technically, in his and on IMDb, his name is Skeletor. Okay, um, but he shows up. And straight up decapitates Apple, and yep. sends Shoots her blue blood. Yeah, and we're all we're all very sad because we all love Apple. Um, and then we this is another moment of like the childlike wonder in the movie where the kid fixes Apple by just duct taping her head to another robot body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was you know it's fun. It it's, was funny. It, yeah, they don't. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I thought it was neat, and I was like, yeah, little kid solution in the backyard. Like, she's fixed now. Her head's been duct taped to another body. Yeah, and I can't think exactly where it's from, but when he's walking through this, to get to the robot graveyard where he puts her head on the, the new body, he has to walk through this, like, dinosaur amusement park thing with poisonous gas, and the dinosaurs are, like, roaring as he, like, goes through. They're not moving or anything. They're just, they're plastic. But mm-hmm. it, that that felt very nostalgic to me. I, I can't place where that Almost like a we're back kind of vibe, right? It was it was cool. Yeah, it was neat, and they had this some, some world building with the toxic fumes and the cemetery, and we have that's when he the kid passes out, and we get him saved by uh, Frederick, who just miraculously shows up. But really, he was going to get a robot hand, um, and that kind of concludes Act Two is when we lose Apple ostensibly, and Frederick saves the kid. Yeah. Um, so we come back, and now it's just fuck it up crew time. Act three, yeah. like, let's go. Frederick is pissed. His brother, who we assume was the first guy we saw. No, he was. By yeah, Zeus. he was. He says it. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's just like, well, I'm going to go blow Zeus the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, he's got a little bomb. You want to come? <laughs> he's got a new robot hand. Yeah, which is dope. Which explains why he, he was in the robot graveyard and saved the kid. Yeah. Even though we never get to see it, it's fine. It's fine. It's a, we we we. This movie is nice and tight at like hour an hour thirty. 30 yeah. So we we don't we don't see everything that happens, and that's fine because we don't need it. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we get our 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 big climax fight. Also, don't forget that this film throughout the whole movie is doing a flashback to when the kid was a kid, and yeah. sh- and revealing a little bit more each time of the story of his parents and how they died and they were killed by Zeus. That's right. Yeah, we find out when the kid is passed out the whole time. Every time he goes to sleep we get a little bit of like a dream sequence where we find out what happened to his parents turns out Zeus was looking for water um, as most people in the wasteland like the economy is driven by water it's a very limited resource and when one of the big points behind Zeus's super long water machine story is to show just how fucked everybody is in terms of recovering water Um, so we see that Zeus has he basically finds out that the kid's parents have a source of water and is going to steal it from them, and then they're like, fuck you, yeah, and fuck your boy, and let's get it. And, let's get it. And Zeus kills the shit out of both of them. Um, so that happens. We learn this right before the final confrontation yeah, yeah. with Zeus, which is hilarious because he's already been up against him a couple of times at this point. Um, but yeah, the Zeus's crew is just miraculously waiting for them in a clearing. <laughs> which was you know neat it was it was, it was, <laughs> it was like a rock quarry or something yeah it was just it's just like a big rock valley um and we have um a couple things happen here um he's first of all the kid is 
pretty well adjusted for having seen this much trauma we find out after we learn what happened to his parents he's like a really nice kid um but he's he's we still have the kind of laughing off the dystopian horribleness in this big fight um this is where the guys the guy keeps getting the torsos stacked on top of them we have that super ultra violence in this last bit because at first the kid and uh frederick are kicking ass and they they pretty easily dispense um, with most of the henchmen, but then they kind of start to lose it. And um, Katana from Mortal Kombat shows up. That's right. And she whoops the kid's ass. She whoops him, and she's stepping on his neck. He's like, she's stepping on his neck to the point where he has blood coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Which I don't know how recoverable that is, but, you know, we, we forgive her for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's my favorite henchman by far. Um, but then Apple has woken back up. Her head has finally reattached. And we get the payoff for that stupid... Or no, no, we don't even get the gnome stick payoff. That was earlier. It, com- it comes back. It does come back. She So she's riding a bike that has a unicorn. a unicorn horn from like a carousel strapped to the front. And she's riding it so slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she still managed to impale Katana and take her out. And then she, I think she whacks her with the gnome stick. Um, but yeah, this is this is like the the very final moment where Zeus ends up actually shooting the kid after all of his henchmen fail. Um he also shoots um, the arm wrestler. He does. He shoots Frederick in the shoulder. He shoots everybody in the shoulder. He's got really great shoulder aim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if that's like part of his AI where he's just designed so that he can't shoot people directly in the heart or the Maybe. head. Oh, <laughs> but, you just spoiled. Oh, oh no. <laughs> he's a robot. He's a robot! <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the kid is actually saved by his childhood viewfinder disc. So this is like full on... The director's being like, your childhood will save you. <laughs> yeah. like, nostalgia is the best. All of that. Um, and he bla- all that. All that, all that. <laughs> and he blasts Zeus with the power glove. Um, and, and when I first saw this, I was like, what? He didn't explode. Yeah, Why didn't he explode? And the kid's just like, well, let's not dwell too long on that. Yeah, Clearly yeah. he's dead. We're all good. <laughs> let's, keep, let's move on. Um, Skeletor is then killed with uh, the... It's the craziest kill in the movie to me because the kid um, gets an umbrella yeah. and impales him in the stomach with the tip of the umbrella. Uh-huh. And then he opens the umbrella and just and Skeletor explodes. explodes. Yeah. <laughs> like he's fucking cut in half. And then his head comes off somehow also. Yeah, like yeah. his head falls to the ground. It was just completely over the top. But then, uh-oh. Zeus is back! And he's a robot. And he's a robot. We see his his eye that had been taken by the kid's mother years ago. This Terminator eye. Is a Terminator eye. And he reveals himself to more be... Ex- like, more explaining. Yeah. More I, story. I think they were just like, all right, so we, we hired Michael Ironside because he's going to give the entire plot. He's going to yeah. speak all of the plot of right. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and it's, not, it's different than in, like, Starship Troopers where he's just an unstoppable one-liner machine. Right. He's just like, and here's how this works, and here's how this works. And he, he's like, oh, after, he, <laughs> after we see the flashback with the kid's parents getting killed by Zeus, we see him recognize the kid, and he's just like... <gasps> You're that kid. Yeah. I was just like, wow, that's amazing that you remember that from that year that long ago and you're now connecting him to this other kid who's right in front of you just because he said the same thing. It, that, let's make it memorable. Let's make it memorable. That his mom said before she shot him with a crossbow bolt. Yeah. In the fucking eye. Yeah. But, um yeah. He reveals himself to be a corporate robot. Um Yeah. And we have this weird like capitalist theme going on here, which is it's just strange because the whole movie is predicated on essentially like 
advertising yeah. for movies. Like, even if you haven't seen the actual movies, it's like, it's based on toys, it's based on, it's based on the the height of consumer culture in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're like, but he is evil because he is a corporate robot. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a weird, like, little postmodern twist that they're trying. I, I, I didn't know if it was supposed to be ironic, but it didn't land. Um, but, you know, good thing the kid has a motherfucking bomb. <laughs> yeah, he does have a motherfucking bomb that, with a huge explosion. Yeah, he blows up Zeus, he uncovers the water source, and then um, Apple dies protecting him from the explosion from the bomb. And we get that tie-in with the... With the when the kid earlier, when they almost have a kiss before Apple throws up, uh, like spaghettios, spaghettios on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, where the kid said his mom said that whenever someone dies, that's they what makes a new star. And then Apple's like, "Look for me in the sky. Look for me in the stars." Um, and then she actually dies. Even so, apparently she got like the last body from the robot cemetery already. Right. I didn't really understand why she couldn't just be brought back to life because she had been decapitated. Like, they, they. I think they tried to show her head alive in the robot cemetery originally just to be like oh she's not all the way dead even though it makes no sense and like is her power supply in her head like is yeah. what's happening it doesn't make any sense but she dies and we're sad so um he really shouldn't have buried her he really should have gone back to the robot cemetery yeah and i don't know why they wouldn't do that because they're already planning a turbo kid too yeah like there's going to be a sequel to this movie and it's like we're just going to take out the best character yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. It's strange storytelling. Um, but yeah, so the kid buries Apple, and then he logically decides to abandon his new papa, Frederick, and the water source uh, to go explore the wasteland, even though other grown men have been, like, searching and killing for water, <laughs> presumably, his entire life. And he's got a paradise right in front of him now. <laughs> he's just got to go find himself now, because he's come of age, so he's going to just say, oh, well, I abandoned. <laughs> and and that's he'll get a, Yeah, maybe he'll get a telepathic connection with a dog. Maybe, and just decide to become, like, a horrible rapist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a question. Why did Zeus give a shit about making water for people when he was a robot and he hated people? Yeah. Good question, Tarver. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, don't you want to kill everybody? Yeah. The the wrapping up, like, the, the end of this movie, trying to solve everything is where it just really falls apart because you have to tie up all the loose ends of the plot and all they have been concentrating on the whole time is... Easter eggs. Yeah. Like, I think that's where, like, when you see something like Ready Player One, I mean, it is just a feast of Easter eggs, but it's also a fucking Steven Spielberg movie, yeah. and it's based on, like, a best-selling novel. Right. So the plot is tight. I mean, the, yeah. the, the actual story it makes sense right. and, and is enjoyable, whereas in this movie... It's not really... Not, not a whole lot happens, first of all. It right. happens over the course of, like, a day, and... About half the movie is just establishing the relationship between the kid and Apple, which are the best scenes in the movie, Yes, in my opinion, because they're actually character-driven. But it's it just doesn't have enough to go on to sensibly wrap up the plot. Right. Like, there's all that shit with Zeus. There's the weird capitalist stuff that's introduced literally the moment before he dies. Right. Like, there's all the stuff with, with Apple not being able, like, she, somehow she dies even though she's, complete, she's like, cogent and talking to him right before she dies. Yeah, and wouldn't it make sense for him to try to save her? Like, yeah. wouldn't that be his quest then it, to, like, try to, to, start, to start off Turbo Kid 2 to be like, I'm going to go bring Apple back? Yeah. Really, the only character whose arc makes sense in this movie is Frederick. Because it, he's just like, I 
He's just, like, I'm going to chill here. Like, afterwards, he's like, well, Zeus is dead. That arc is wrapped up. My whole thing has been vengeance this entire time. And finding the water source, like, his, one of his little Goombas at the beginning says, like, hey, boss, are you sure you don't want to just keep looking for the water source instead of going to get Zeus? And he's just like, well, you know, he killed my motherfucking brother, so. Right, so chill. He's got a, that, that ass is mine. He's like, we got to come up with a plan. Yeah. And What's then, the plan? The plan right now is to go take a piss. Yeah. So, I mean, Frederick, this is, Turbo Kid is the story of Frederick. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my final thoughts on the kind of summing things up, I have three major points. Turbo Kid is light and entertaining. I mean, which yeah. is all that it needs to be, all that it is meant to be. And so... In this way, it does embody a lot of the cult classics from the eighty from the time period that it's paying homage to, um, which I mean, it fucking better because that's the <laughs> that's, purpose of it. Yeah, <laughs> it fucking better. Yeah, but um, you know, it, it, and it also is the other thing that has in common is that it definitely didn't make any motherfucking money in theaters. <laughs> um, I it was. It's so weird. I'm sorry, but to to make a movie to be a cult classic. Yeah, this movie was made. Yeah. For the purpose of being a cult classic, and like, you have to you have to think that when they were having at least like production meetings, and certainly when they were actually like filming the movie, they devoted budget to filming things to look old, and to look outdated. Yeah, like even if they had had a smaller budget, they probably wouldn't have been able to achieve the same kind of, like, nostalgic feel. Like, a lot of money went into making this movie... Nostalgic. Nostalgic. And they did it. They Yeah, they achieved it. And it was... It, it, it It's great. I think it's better the first time around. Yeah. For sure. Um, also, um, you know, heavy with that postmodern shit. You know, it, it, it works. And then it doesn't work. Really. Yeah. <laughs> like, we get the... We get the kind of live free, die young, anti-communism, <laughs> like, like we're or anti-consumerism yeah. too. Like, he, it, everybody's like, it's. I mean, it's Michael Ironside. He's like Mister General, and then yeah. like the whole like that's the kind of themes that play back, uh, harken back to a boy and his dog, where it's just like, you know, we're in the wasteland and it sucks, but also like we're we're as free as we ever will be up here. And then, but it's also just it's basically like a movie about toys. Which is strange. Yeah. Um, and then... You're a toy! <laughs> yeah. The last thing that I want to say about this, about Turbo Kid, is that what's very trying about this movie is, like, it's it's it just gets strange to try and, and think critically about this movie because it's taking itself seriously by clearly respecting the source material yeah. um, and not, like outright winking at the camera too much. Right. Like, even the winks in this movie are intentional. Yes. Um, but it's, the th- very, it's very self-aware. Yeah. But the thing about it is that what people love about the type of movie that Turbo Kid is is honoring, is, is celebrating, um, is, like, general campiness. So it's... Right, Sometimes yeah. it's, it's tough to determine what is a wink and what's not and what's actually bad and what's good and yeah. like where the, the it gives the directors an out a little bit because it's hard to you can't clearly identify their failings as failings right and their successes as successes i mean this is it, huh. Yeah, they're, they're they're like swimming in this murky water yeah because they're not paying they're not they're not paying tribute to movies that are like aggrandized for their really amazing filmmaking techniques like, right. We've talked about things like Evil Dead and like how kind of 
new and unique the filmmaking style is of those movies. But it's not, and and like with a boy and his dog, the production value isn't what you focus on. the The practical effects aren't what you focus on. I mean, even with like getting into other bigger budget movies that we'll get we'll we'll cover in later weeks on this podcast, it's never going to be. Look how amazing this film was made. Like how amazingly this film was made. It could be. It could be. It could but, be. But likely, I mean, for for as likely, as, it's very obvious, specific tropes, and yeah. that's what this movie grabs at. It's like very obvious, specific things, like the BMX riders. Yeah, it's like almost choreographed shot for shot. Like uh, when they do the opening uh, bicycle biking scene, yeah, like the B- that from BMX. So they're, they're, they're very obvious, specific things that they grab. And they put in to the to to compose this movie, absolutely. And everybody here obviously knows what they're doing. Like the the DP did a good job. I'm going to say it again. Like his composition, respect the rule of thirds, very obviously and very well. <laughs> I will say that the one thing that I didn't think made any sense is I like the way you use the camera to have a purpose. Uh, I think the the best way to use the camera is to have a reason behind why what you did. Um, I mean, I, th- I mean that for everything in filmmaking. I think when I say if you put the camera on sticks, a tripod, I want an, I want that to be a, a reason. I want the the continuity at that point in the character's life to be sturdy, stable, right. like what's going on to be level. Um, that's you know it's pretty on the nose, but that's to get my point across. Yeah. And I want uh, when you make the camera handheld, I want there to be turmoil. I want there to be like motion. Like I I, I need there to be anxiety uh, in the character. Um, like in Evil Dead, I thought that's what Sam Raimi did really well with Bruce Campbell when when the camera's going everywhere and it's it's like in his mind it's fragmented it's terrified he's you know he doesn't know what to think and yeah. he's all over the place um, and then when you put the camera you know on a tr- uh, on a higher point like I like it to be the perspective of something following the character like looming over them like a, a, a an impending doom and I felt like in Turbo Kid. They didn't have a reason for why they you they they the way they used the camera. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it'd be handheld, sometimes it'd be on sticks. Some like they had an opening drone shot. I mean, it looked cool. You know, the opening you can forgive, but the because you, you you want a drone shot, you want your helicopter we forgive, shot. We forgive yeah. for that. We forgive yeah. for that. Yeah, forgive for that. But I just <laughs> never felt like they had a reason behind the way they used the camera in this movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can see that. It's, it's it's definitely not the most. Like I think they focus so hard on getting those Easter eggs and, and, and making a thousand references that some other areas of the... Were lacking. Were, were lacking. And I mean, I think even though it's supposed to be campy and it's supposed to be a, not, like, a, a pastiche of these 80s, like, culty movies that don't necessarily... That weren't necessarily written the best or, like, yeah. like acted the best, that it, there, there are some failings in the script. There like, are some failings in the script. And what I just said is pretty high-level criticism. It's like it's usually only like really good movies. No, like yeah. do that with a camera. Yeah, I mean like, it's like you see like a fucking Roger Deakins and yeah. Doing that when Fincher makes a movie, <laughs> yeah. he's fucking aware at every single shot why the camera is the way it is, where it's put, the reason it's put there. Yeah, like every fucking shot. There's not a pencil on a cup in frame that wasn't there intentionally. Right. Whereas this movie is just fun. Yeah, this is a fun movie that does like kind of unravel towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's when when you're when you're just having a whole lot of it's kind of like the ending of this is just like that kind of it's like catching your breath at the end of a laugh. 
Like, yeah. it's kind of like when you're like, <laughs> like that's yeah. how the end of the movie <laughs> that's feels Turbo to me. Kid. That's Turbo Kid. Unless you be like a film, a film critic, and that's just that's your <laughs> review of it. It's, it's like catching a breath at the end of a laugh. <laughs> I'm a sweetheart. I'm a sweet boy. A sweet boy. <laughs> but um, uh, so yeah, that's that's Turbo Kid. I mean, I think the only thing we have left to determine is whether or not we're in the cult, right? I was initially. I was super in the cult. I'm, I'm still in the cult, but I'm, I'm like, I'm not an active member anymore. Yeah, I, I, I went back home. I you, like, you left. I, 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 I'm still in the Facebook group. I was, <laughs> I was, I'm, you know, I might, I don't, I'm not, not be in the Facebook group, but I do watch its Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's Turbo Kid, baby. And that is uh, all we have for the Golden Classics for this week. Please stay tuned and listen next week when we'll talk about another movie that dumbass. Thomas in the other room can shut up about because you've got two experts telling you how it is. Yeah, shut up, Thomas. Idiot. <laughs>